You hear a knock on the door and open it to find two friendly representatives from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, otherwise known as the Mormon Church. What will you say? Will you send them away without a Christian witness, or will you engage them in a meaningful and Christ-honoring conversation? If you desire the latter, may we suggest the book, Answering Mormon's Questions by Bill McKeever and Eric Johnson. Answering Mormon's Questions is available at the Utah Christian Research Center, 579 West Galena Park Place in Draper, Utah. Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry. And with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. We continue looking at some of the books that were given away as Christmas gifts between the years 1981 and 2017 by the First Presidency of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. We've been looking at various topics so far, and today we're going to finish up the subject of Joseph Smith. What did some of these books have to say about the founder of the Mormon movement, Joseph Smith, Jr.? Sixth President Joseph F. Smith in the book Gospel Doctrine, page 479. This is a book that was one of the Christmas gifts. Joseph Smith's name will never perish. God lives, and Jesus is the Christ, the Savior of the world. Joseph Smith is a prophet of God, living, not dead, for his name will never perish. I know Mormons like to make a big deal about the statement that his name, Joseph Smith's name, will be had for good and ill and so forth and so on. And I know that gives a lot of comfort to Latter-day Saints. But let me give you my thoughts on this quotation here. Joseph's name will never perish. If he, in fact, was a true prophet of God, as Mormons do believe, I can understand where they can draw that conclusion. But I'm going to throw something out here. If he's not a true prophet, I would say that that statement is still true, and this is why. And I've said this before publicly. I don't mean to go out of my way to offend a Latter-day Saint listening to me right now, but I firmly believe this. If Joseph Smith is not a true prophet of God, and you have millions of people believing his heresies and trusting in him for truth— and are thereby lost after they die, they will be cursing Joseph Smith's name throughout eternity. In other words, even if Joseph Smith was a false prophet, his name also will never perish. So I really don't have a problem with this quote, but I want Latter-day Saints to know that this sword has two edges. If he's a true prophet and Latter-day Saints are right? Okay, I get that. But hear me out. If he was a false prophet, the same holds true. You're going to have millions of Latter-day Saints cursing Joseph Smith's name, cursing themselves probably for being so foolish in trusting his teachings, which did not conform to the Word of God, the Bible. One of the things that we see in these books is that Joseph Smith is glorified. His name is lifted up. And we see this from third president John Taylor in the book The Gospel Kingdom on page 386. This is a poem at the end of the book. It later became a hymn. This is the seer, and this is what the seer says, the poem. 
The seer, the seer, Joseph the seer, I'll sing of the prophet ever dear. His equal now cannot be found. By searching the wide world around, with gods he soared in the realms of day, and men he taught in the heavenly way. The earthly seer, the heavenly seer, I love to dwell on his memory dear. The chosen of God and the friend of man, he brought the priesthood back again. He gazed on the past and the future too, and opened the heavenly world to view. That song also, which was found in an LDS hymn book, in fact, I happen to have one in my hand, it's not found in the 1985 hymn book, the Green Hymn Book, but this one was published back in 1912. I'm looking at a 1918 edition. That song also says, Unchanged in death with a Savior's love, he, speaking of Joseph Smith, pleads their cause in the courts above. How does that square with 1 Timothy 2.5, which tells us that there's only one mediator between God and man and the man, Christ Jesus? How does Joseph Smith get in there when we're told in the writings of Paul that there's only one mediator? Right. But yet this song is implying that there must be at least two, one of whom is Joseph Smith. And then we also have Romans 8.34, where it speaks of Jesus interceding on behalf of God's people. We have a contradiction here. But again, you're going to have Latter-day Saints trust in what Joseph Smith is telling them, even though the New Testament makes it very clear that this song cannot possibly be true. Now, why is that telling? This was one of Gordon B. Hinckley's favorite hymns. Back in General Conference, April of 2005, this is what 15th President Gordon B. Hinckley said. In this celebration, through our own performance, let us honor the prophet through whom God has revealed so much. The sun rose on Joseph's life on a cold day in Vermont in 1805. It set in Illinois on a sultry afternoon in 1844. During the brief 38 and one-half years of his life, there came through him an incomparable outpouring of knowledge, gifts, and doctrine. Looked at objectively, there is nothing to compare with it. Subjectively, it is the substance of the personal testimony of millions of Latter-day Saints across the earth. Then, after saying that, Hinckley goes on to talk about how, as a boy, he loved to listen to a man with a rich baritone voice who sang the words to John Taylor's song, The Seer, Joseph the Seer. So you can see this is one of Gordon B. Hinckley's favorite hymns. And yet, it contains doctrine in that hymn that should make every New Testament Christian shudder. This is not found in any of the Christmas books, but what about Praise of the Man, a hymn that is oftentimes sung at General Conference to glorify Joseph Smith? And yet, at the same time, Mormons want to insist that they don't worship Joseph Smith. And I would argue, no, they don't pray to him. That's certainly true. But it makes me very uncomfortable whenever they sing that song, Praise to the Man, and they sing it almost at every general conference that I can remember. That certainly should be troubling to all of us who respect the New Testament. Fourth President Wilford Woodruff, in his book, The Discourses of Wilford Woodruff, a book that was one of the Christmas books, page 67, said this about the greatness of Joseph Smith. He wrote, I look upon Joseph Smith as the greatest prophet that ever breathed the breath of life, accepting Jesus Christ. Father Adam, as I have said, stands at the head, but Joseph Smith 
was reserved to lay the foundation of this great kingdom and dispensation of salvation to the whole human family in these last days to build up Zion, to establish God's kingdom, and to prepare for the coming of the Son of Man. He held these keys. Another citation from George Albert Smith, the eighth president of the church, in the teachings of George Albert Smith, page 45, he said, Those who have belittled Joseph Smith will be forgotten. Much has been said in this conference about the prophet Joseph Smith. There isn't much that I could say except that which is good. Many of the benefits and blessings that have come to me have come through that man who gave his life for the gospel of Jesus Christ. There have been some who have belittled him, but I would like to say that those who have done so will be forgotten and their remains will go back to Mother Earth if they have not already gone, and the odor of their infamy will never die. While the glory and honor and majesty and courage and fidelity manifested by the prophet Joseph Smith will attach to his name forever. I'm a little confused on this statement, though. The first sentence says, those who have belittled Joseph Smith will be forgotten, but yet at the same time, he says, the odor of these people and their infamy will never die. Now, are they going to never die, or is it going to be forgotten? Now, a Mormon might be sitting there listening to us, Eric, saying, yep, that's talking about you, Bill, and that's talking about you, Eric. Quite frankly, folks, I don't really care about how my name is going to be remembered. All I want is to have the satisfaction of my Savior when he looks at the things that I've said and done. A testimony of Joseph Smith is vital, is what 11th President Harold B. Lee said in The Teachings of Harold B. Lee, page 371. He said, No one can accept Jesus Christ as the Savior of the world. No man can accept this as his church, the Church of Jesus Christ, unless he can accept Joseph Smith as God's mouthpiece and the restorer of his work in these latter days. Tenth President Joseph Fielding Smith, in his book, Selections from Doctrines of Salvation, a unique book that was made for this series, a Christmas gift that was given in 2001, this is what Smith says about the divine mission of Jesus Christ. The church stands or falls with Joseph Smith. Mormonism, as it is called, must stand or fall on the story of Joseph Smith. He was either a prophet of God, divinely called, properly appointed, and commissioned, or he was one of the biggest frauds this world has ever seen. There is no middle ground. If Joseph Smith was a deceiver who willfully attempted to mislead the people, then he should be exposed. His claims should be refuted, and his doctrines shown to be false, for all the doctrines of an imposter cannot be made to harmonize in all particulars with divine truth. If his claims and declarations were built upon fraud and deceit, there would appear many errors and contradictions which would be easy to detect. The doctrines of false teachers will not stand the test when tried by the accepted standards of measurement, the scriptures. But yet there have been thousands of people who have left the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints because they have seen these statements by an imposter, who would be Joseph Smith. But Joseph Fielding Smith on page 255 says, Every attack has failed whether that attack has been waged against Joseph Smith in person or against the Book of Mormon, which by the power of God he translated from ancient records. He goes on to say, no error in his doctrine has been shown. I don't understand a statement like that because certainly that's not true. A number of errors in his doctrine have been shown. It's just that most Latter-day Saints reject those errors because they would much rather believe that Joseph Smith was in fact a true prophet of God and not a false prophet. The final quote from page 254 of that same book, 
Joseph Fielding Smith says there's no salvation without accepting Joseph Smith. If Joseph Smith was verily a prophet, and if he told the truth when he said that he stood in the presence of angels sent from the Lord and obtained keys of authority and the commandment to organize the Church of Jesus Christ once again on the earth, then this knowledge is of the most vital importance to the entire world. No man can reject that testimony without incurring the most dreadful consequences, for he cannot enter the kingdom of God. It is therefore the duty of every man to investigate that he may weigh this matter carefully and know the truth. And I would certainly agree, but when it says no man can reject that testimony without incurring the most dreadful consequences, well, in Mormonism, what are the most dreadful consequences? Terrestrial kingdom? Telestial kingdom? Even Latter-day Saint leaders said those places aren't so bad when you compare them to, let's say, outer darkness, which really nobody qualifies for that. So what are those dreadful consequences? The fact that you won't become a god and have your offspring look up to you as a god? Well, if you have no desire for that in the first place, why would that be something to dissuade you from believing in Joseph Smith? Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism. All of us at Mormonism Research Ministry want to reach out and thank you for your kind support of Viewpoint on Mormonism. We hope that the information coming your way has been a help and encouragement as you share the hope we all have in Jesus Christ. During this holiday season, would you prayfully consider a year-end donation to MRM to help give us a much-needed financial boost into the new year? Your tax-deductible gifts are much appreciated and will be used to further our efforts at Mormonism Research Ministry.